Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today we're going to talk about Trump and his travails with Facebook and also Liz Cheney and her travails with the Republican Party. I watched Elon Musk on Saturday oh, yeah. Night Live. I don't know if you had a chance no, to... No, I didn't watch, but I read that it's very controversial because the youngsters don't like Elon Musk because he's a billionaire. Huh. Well, that's interesting since they got him on to attract a younger audience. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we can talk about that in just a moment. First, I wanted to talk about this thing with Trump and Facebook. Oh. You know, Facebook is its own little empire. Mm -hmm. It's like Disney. It's an institution inside of our nation mm -hmm. that has its own rules and bylaws. Right. So Trump was kicked off after January 6th right. for what they considered was inciting... Crimes. Yes. He said, we love you and whatever he said. Mm -hmm. So he was kicked off and this oversight board was tasked with determining whether he should be kicked off forever. Oh, okay. Well, somebody decided that he should be taken off indefinitely. Okay. The oversight board, the Supreme Court of Facebook, was not 100% happy with that. What they said was, it's not good enough to have it be indefinite. According to your own rules, Facebook, you're either going to reinstate Trump mm -hmm. or you're going to banish him forever. Hmm. But you can't just do an intermediate judgment. Mm -hmm. So we're giving you six months, Mark Zuckerberg, figure out what you want this to be. Mm -hmm. Do you want this to be a tech company or a media company? Is it journalism? What is it? Mm -hmm. And so they have six months, Facebook does, to come back and either honor the oversight board, but the oversight board only suggests they don't mm -hmm. rule. Mm -hmm. They don't have absolute authority. Mm -hmm. So Zuckerberg could just say, I don't care. I'm just going to leave him on an indefinite leave of absence on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But it's just interesting because it's like a football being kicked back and forth. Did they say that they're banning him for another six months and they have to revisit it again in six months? That's basically it. And in six months, the decision has to be all or nothing. It has to be either he's on or he's off. Pretty much. It can't be he's banned for six years or something like that. No, pretty much it's all or nothing hmm. is what I'm getting from it. And is the oversight board part of Facebook or is it part of an industry? It's watch part of Facebook. Dog? It's made up of... Um, it's supposed to be independent of the board of directors and exactly. stuff. Exactly. It's made up of journalists and oh, okay. intellectuals and heads of industry. Media and, people. Yeah. So Got it. we'll see. I 100% hope that they kick him off forever because I think that what he's apt to do is too damaging. Yeah. It sure is interesting. It's like there's a new geography that didn't exist before. It's like a new country. It's virtual. It exists digitally. But it's a new entity, and we, we don't have rules and regulations. Of, we aren't even able to define what the Facebook community actually is. Yes. It's a sounding board for some people. It's an advertising vehicle for other people. It's a scrapbooking and stay in touch with your grandchildren thing for some people. And it's a, a way to organize domestic terrorism. Right. And to fulminate conspiracy theories. Right. So, yes, it's many, many things to many people. Yeah, it's fascinating, really, because I know when it started, 
started, there was this idealistic thing. It was like, it's just freewheeling. Everybody gets to say whatever they want and it's all going to be great and beautiful. And it's all right. about free speech. But then we discovered that unfettered speech is not actually free speech. Yeah. You can't scream fire in a crowded right. theater. And so free speech is a misnomer. Right. It's not 100% without guidelines or even laws. Well, yeah. It, yeah. Free speech doesn't mean irresponsible speech. But who gets to decide what's responsible is the, is the tricky part. Well, it's going to be Mark Zuckerberg, I guess, in this case. <laughs> that uh, doesn't inspire confidence. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg scares me almost as much as Trump does, honestly. I think he's a guy with Asperger's who got lucky. <laughs> and now he's the dog that bit the tire of the truck. And what's he going to do with it? Yeah. So we'll see. I, I'm scared. I'm just scared that they'll let him back on and that bad things will come from it. Yeah. And even if they don't, there will be other challenges to face in the same vein. There will be other white supremacist groups that use Facebook to form yes. and gain strength and gain popularity. And, and that's why they have, to, they have to have some kind of bylaws right. that mandate that certain kinds of speech are not acceptable. Isn't the Justice Department looking at domestic terrorism and looking at domestic American groups yes. that have terrorist agendas? Yeah. So I guess that's a way that some regulation could happen. You know, Merrick Garland was the person who prosecuted Timothy McVeigh. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. He's very intently focused mm. on domestic terrorism, and I'm really happy about that. I hope there's more coming. I hope that he's going to be going after Giuliani and Trump and really going at the crimes that were committed. Yes. You look hopeful, like you think he's on the track to do that. I do. And he doesn't have a political agenda. He right. just has a judicial agenda. Right. An agenda for seeking justice. Oh, it'll be interesting. Yes, it certainly will. That brings us to Liz, Liz Cheney. Little Liz Cheney. Okay. So Liz Cheney is a congressperson from Wyoming. They have, well, they have three electoral votes. Right. They only have one congresswoman, right? Oh, they only have the... Is she, is she the only one? I think they only have one because there's like six people in the whole state. Okay. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> she has consistently said that the election was not stolen, that Joe Biden won the right. presidency fair and square. Right. Kevin McCarthy is no bueno on that. He was, but now he's he not. He was, but now he's not. And so they're just going to kick her under the bus. Mm -hmm. She's the third ranking Republican in Congress, mm -hmm. and they're going to take away her position. Right. Then I imagine she'll be primaried, and she'll be out of politics. I know you have your other mm -hmm. take on it, but I think it's incredibly brave what she's doing, because she could easily backtrack just like Kevin mm -hmm. McCarthy did, and say, you're right, I don't know what I was thinking, there was fraud here, but she's not backing down. Right. And he, everybody has made it clear that they want her to back down. Yeah. If she weren't a lying warmonger, I would have some sympathy for her or even respect for her. But I just have none. I think she's doing this because she's taking a calculated risk that this Trump worship phenomenon that's happening is going to implode somehow. And she will rise like a phoenix because really? she's the one who stood for principle. Yeah, that, that they're going to self-destruct because they don't stand for anything. They can't really state what they support in terms of 
but where they want to take the country or anything. But there's no other, I mean, Mitt Romney and Ben Sass are the only moderate people in the whole Congress right. and Senate. Right. So I don't know where she's going to have a leg to stand. You mean, you think that they're going to implode imminently? Maybe by 2022. Maybe. I think that's her calculation, huh. that they will do circular firing squad or like one of the Republicans who's standing against the Trump crowd has said that it's the GOP is like the Titanic right now, that everyone's on it having a gay old time, but that it's destined to sink. Well, what I read was that Trump has now simply assumed the leadership of the GOP. There is no going back. Mm-hmm. And that instead of moving outward so that they would get the suburban moms and, right. the, and the more educated people that Biden got, right. they're now doubling down, including Mitch McConnell. They're just doubling down with Trump. That made me feel better because all I could think was Donald Trump is going to run again and then what yeah. is going to get reelected. That's too scary. That's moving to Mexico time for me. Well, it'll be interesting to see if Trump gets indicted for any crimes or anything, because I think the only reason Trump wants to run again is so that he can somehow say, you can't prosecute me because I'm a presidential candidate. But that only goes so far. I guess that would be better than, oh, so you mean he gets somebody like Barr in place and then all of those things would go away. He wants to be president because it shields him from prosecution. It right. shielded him from prosecution for the last four years. Right. So I think that's the only reason. I don't think he really wants to be president. Well, he loves the idea of power and all of that. And he doesn't have to do much. God. I mean, it, you, you think about how hard Biden had to work yeah. to get to be president. All Trump did was go to rallies. That's all he did. Right. He didn't make commercials. He didn't right. do interviews. He called into Fox and Friends right. occasionally. And he, and he didn't work as president either. No. He kept doing the same thing. Yeah. I'm tempted to have some respect for Liz Cheney, but... Um... Oh, I don't think we have to have respect for who she is. I respect that she is going up against the entirety of the GOP that has fallen on their swords for Trump. One of the interesting reversals in this is that they're kicking Liz Cheney out and a woman named Elise Slotnick right. is going to be put in. So right. it's sort of like kick out one woman, bring in another woman. Right. And Elise Slotnick is a moderate right. Republican. Right. She was from a very purple district mm -hmm. in New York mm -hmm. and then became a Trump acolyte. So now she's everything Trump. Let me just step on my little soapbox. We are in a constitutional crisis because 70% of the Republican Party does not believe that oh, Joe right. Biden was legitimately elected. Right. And no one is running around like their hair's on fire about this, but right. this is bad. Yeah. It's very, very bad. And especially when things like Texas, Georgia, and Florida are doing what they're doing. With election law. It's really something. There are no more drop boxes right. or the drop boxes are not out on the street. They're in office buildings so that you can't drop off your ballot late at night. It's right. only during nine to five hours. And, right. and with Arizona, what that whole count is, did you hear they're looking for bamboo? Yeah, I did hear that. So that's where they're going. Now, yeah. what happens when Cyber Ninjas says, we found 40,000 ballots and they're all for Trump? 
that goes against the amount of votes that he was under for Arizona during the presidential election. That's what I mean. No one's running around screaming about this, but it's very dangerous. It is. I'm thinking that the Justice Department must be doing something around this, that they're just doing very under the radar, that something's going to break. They did dip their toe into it. The Justice Department has sort of weighed in a little bit to see if it is even legal. It's hard to wrap your head around it. That's why I'm just hoping that intelligent life in the universe with power, Justice Department people, whatever, are on it. Yeah. Well, that would be good. Yeah. (laughs) That would be very good if they were. I just don't want them to do it so quietly. I want them to be very loud about it. I was thinking today about how it must have felt in Germany when the Nazis were coming up and people must have just said, Oh, well, they're just crazy people. You know, they're just hooligans and weirdos. Of course. And we don't have to. The Jews you know, said that. Yeah. And then it got so bad. They'll and, never take power. Right. So yeah, I feel like we're, we're sort of in that stage. We're like, oh, they couldn't possibly. But we said that about Trump in the first place. That's true. We at least survived Trump. We did, but But, uh, I don't know that we could survive him again. Yeah. What I heard today some of the talking heads talking about was where the Republican Party's having trouble is what is Trumpism? Is there any such thing? Or is it only Trump? Is Trump the only thing behind Trumpism? No, he's not. Clearly he's not because all of these other junior people are falling behind him and getting traction. But what are they getting behind other than his personality? Oh, nationalism. The white supremacy. Populism, yeah. fear-mongering, right. nativism. Right. Yeah, they're embracing all of those aspects of what Trump... What he represents. What he verbalized mm-hmm. during his time in office. Mm-hmm. But to what end? What do they want to achieve other than Stay in racial power. supremacy? Stay in power. That's all they care about. So they don't believe for or against, say, expanding Medicare or... No, because then black people would get health care. Oh, okay. There's a book out called The Sum of Us. I just bought it, but I I know a certain story. And the sum is zero sum. Mm -hmm. That white racists, which I hate to use that term because I think it's starting to become meaningless, but white Americans who have racial bias in the 60s, when integration was going on, there used to be large municipal pools. Mm -hmm. And before the Jim Crow laws were taken away or modified, blacks couldn't go in the pools. Right. Then suddenly, blacks were going to be able to swim with white people. Right. So they filled in the pools. Oh, wow. So nobody got to swim. Oh, okay. And that's kind of what the game is. Okay. If blacks get it, if Hispanics get it, Mm -hmm. if minorities get it, Mm -hmm. then we don't want them to have it, so we just won't put that in place. Right. That's why they're against Medicare. They're not for anything but staying in power. Right. And making money. Yeah. Yeah, and you have all these Republican governors that are turning down this increased unemployment. Medicaid. Oh, increased. Oh, yes. Increased unemployment. They're going to stop it. Right. They don't want it in their states because they say people won't look for jobs. It incentivizes people to to remain unemployed. Right. Yes. They're doing bad things to their own people. Right. It's those damn poor people. It's those damn poor people. That are lazy and shiftless. Of course it is. See, you're seeing it my way. (laughs) I wanted to just talk about Elon Musk. Elon. He said, I, Elon Musk, am the first Asperger's. First Maybe. person with... <laughs> first, the first one who's admitted to it. Yeah. But the first person with Asperger's to host Saturday Night Live. I heard that Dan Aykroyd has Asperger's. Oh, okay. So there you have it. There it is. Yeah. 
He did his monologue. He was highly awkward, but in his own weird way, he was kind of winning. Uh-huh. I mean, he had really strange hand motions. Right. And his body didn't seem to be 100% in control, and his voice is very strange. Yeah. He has something like a Danish accent. Mm-hmm. Is he Danish? I don't know what country he's from. Elon Musk sounds like, I don't know what kind of a name it is. Anyway, he kind of won me over. Yeah. And I was prepared to truly dislike him, like I disliked Trump when he was hosting. Yeah. But he actually showed that he had a sense of humor. I thought what was going to happen was he was going to come out, do a monologue, and then Miley Cyrus was going to do all the acting parts in all the skits. Oh, right. Because she's so good at them. Was she the music? She was a music, yeah. She was a musical guest. But no, he was in many, many of the sketches. Yeah. And what was written about today, about him Mm -hmm. being cast, was that Lauren Michaels wanted to attract a younger audience. Oh, okay. And... That's why he got Elon Musk in there. Yeah. I saw him on Colbert a couple of years ago, and he was great. And he didn't seem awkward at all, but that was a one-on-one conversation, and he felt more comfortable in that setting where he wasn't, you know, up on a stage being expected to perform at a certain level. Did he seem... He seemed really interesting and bright, and he had all these brilliant ideas about things we can do to mitigate climate change. So yeah. he was very convincing and very likable, and that's the first time I'd ever even heard of him was when I saw him on that show. Oh, really? Yeah. He's an interesting guy, and he is something... Of a genius. Oh, definitely. He's like the Henry Ford, at least, of our time. At least. You know. At one point, he said, you know, I have these these weird Twitter postings, but hey, I reinvented the electric car, and I'm sending people to Mars, so what do you want? I just thought he was strange mm-hmm. and interesting and self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. And all of those things made him okay in my book. Cool. But I did find another Scandinavian. Oh, my God. Now, is this another one that you had to use your VPN for? No, no. This one's very easy. It's called All the Sins. You have to go on Amazon to get it, but then you have to buy a $6 a month PBS Masterpiece add-in. But they give you a free week. And it's in Finland, and it's a story of some crimes in Finland, and the two crime solvers are two very flawed but really interesting characters And it it deals with forgiveness, but here's what I love about it. I binge-watched it, so I finished the first season last night. It's really a a kind of a morality tale. It's about these gruesome murders, but it's really about forgiveness and family. But what I love about it is that it's one of the first times I have seen a story say that forgiveness is not always possible and not always desirable. You know, we're taught in, in our culture, at least where I hang out, we're taught that Forgiveness is sort of always the goal whenever there's a wrong committed of any kind. What I loved about this story is it took a much more compassionate view of humanness and it demonstrated in a way that you really felt it when you watched the whole story that no, not necessarily. At least it questions whether that's Mm -hmm, true. mm -hmm. And I liked that. How do they get around it? Do you know? I mean, have you gotten that far into it? Well, they just show it through the story. One of the subplots is the crime took place in a small community in northern Finland that's got religious zealots in it, a certain religious group that's like very fundamentalist. And so it's within that culture that there are these issues of forgiving that shouldn't have taken place. And you you find out that there's been bad things done to people. I don't want to say too much in case someone wants to watch it. Sure. But anyway, through the story, you get to experience for yourself 
No, this person was forced to forgive someone for a crime that should not have been forgiven. Uh -huh. And the premature, inappropriate forgiving actually made the problem worse for the person who was forced to forgive because as part of the religion, they were fed the idea that this is good for them as That's a Christian. That's so interesting. What's cool about this is you have the two outsiders who are the, the two detectives who have issues in their own lives. They don't belong to the religion, but they have issues in their own lives. One is the woman and she has this daughter that she's kind of neglected and their relationship is on the rocks and there's issues about forgiveness there. And then the guy, the young guy, he has domestic violence issues and he's the perpetrator. Oh. But he also has a childhood that they go into where he was he was yeah. beat up. Yeah. And so and he's gay. So he's got his boyfriend oh. and they're trying to work through this domestic violence thing. And so one of the oh. heroes of the story, one of the two detectives, is also a batterer. So you get to look at this whole issue of how we as humans, not only physically, but what we do without necessarily meaning to, to hurt each other. And how do we reconcile that? Yeah. And is forgiveness possible? Yeah. For one thing. Appropriate for another thing. And is it even... Desirable. Yeah. Is it even something you should be striving toward? I remember there was a domestic violence film made at CBS when I was there starring John Ritter called Unforgivable. Mm -hmm. He was a batterer. Right. And those things are very difficult to forgive because the cycle is the woman forgives the man and then the cycle just keeps right. repeating itself and repeating itself. Right. So, And I think part of that cycle too is whether it's stated overtly or not, there's always that really insidious thing about abuse, which is, to some extent, it was the victim's fault. You made me do it. If you hadn't done X, Y, or Z mm -hmm. thing, then I wouldn't have had to. Yes. And so the victim ends up apologizing. No, it's truly horrible. Right. So, I don't know. I really like this. It's a really rich yeah. question. Now, see, I would watch that. I probably yeah. wouldn't watch the other one, but that I would, would watch that. That would be more up your alley, because it is, even it though has a moral it dilemma. has the crime framework, yeah. it's really about relationship. You know me so well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. There you have it. Now we have to say goodbye to our friends. It's time. It's time. Oh, and now it's time to say, say goodbye, goodbye to all our family. Oh. Goodbye, boomers. So long, boomers. And we will talk to you again in a week. Okay. Bye-bye. Adios.